0: I forget every cloud I've ever seen So they call me a cockeyed optimist
1: Immature and incurably green I have heard people rant and rave and bellow That we're done and we might as well be dead
2: But I'm only a
3: cockeyed optimist and I can't get it into my hair
2: I hear the human race is falling on its face and hasn't very far to go but every whipper will is selling me a bill and telling me it just ain't so I okay, could hey, man, like <laughs> just a bowl of jello Okay. Do you you get my gist, people? Do you get where I'm trying to go with this?
4: You're still trying to stay
5: optimist? Something about a whippoorwill?
2: (laughs) I don't know. I think she still has hope for this crazy world of ours. Yes. That's the point. (laughs) The point is I still have, and I got a lot of this from Barbara Annis. You know, I, I, I think that especially on this app, but always in general, um, how do I make this public? I have to make it public. Um, Um, yeah. It says private room. Last week, there was a button that said make room public. Yeah, I got but- it. It is
4: public, actually, but I'll make it public again. Uh, yeah, now it's public, I think. There you go. Oh, there she is. Hello?
0: Did we lose audio? Uh,
4: I'm not sure, but uh, it, it came back. I'm now. here. Heyman, you're here. Yep. Yep. Welcome.
0: Dr. Francine is not.
4: Oh no! I think oh, her, oh no, she's, she's there, going. There, but it, I think your mic. She's, she's, is. Muted. she's
0: yeah. muted. She's muted. You're muted. There you go.
4: Francine, your mic is. Uh, we can't hear you.
0: Not working.
4: Are you lost in the South Pacific?
5: If she, she says she's <laughs> using club deck, maybe if she can hear us, if she were to leave and come back that whole trip.
0: Yeah, great idea.
4: I'm in the audience, she says. That's interesting. I think, yeah, as uh, David was saying, Francine, maybe best to uh, leave and come back.
0: I don't see her in the audience either.
4: Yeah, we're in the glitch zone.
2: Okay, do you hear me now?
5: Yep. Yes. Verizon Commercial is
2: back. So you know how this this um, stuff works? You have these sliders and you have to slide them places. And there's about... this morning I was on a call that was booming throughout the whole house and I was trying to keep it on mute. And so I slid everything over to the left. And now, okay, so here we are. This is... The Karma House. This is only the second, Hi Elizabeth, the second room I've ever held in the Karma House, and the purpose of the Karma House is to leave the world a little better than we found it. And here's Denise. Let's get Denise up here. And so, in order to, um, in order to do that. I switched over Karma Club, which had nine thousand people in it, to a house, which now has, I don't know, maybe three hundred people in it. And I don't want it to be big because I want it to be serious, and I want it to be, um, I want it to be productive. We have a shit ton of problems right now, and Barbara and Heyman and I have been. For two years, trying to figure out how to um, how to get on a, a positive path to solving these problems. Barbara has her hand up. What happened to
1: Barbara?
6: She's here. I'm I just,
1: here.
2: I'm I think here. The structure
5: of the room might be different than before. I don't think there's a stage and a not stage. I just think it's people that have not unmuted yet. But that's my presumption. What does it look like to you
2: guys? One thing about the houses, as opposed to the, the plain club rooms, is that the houses um, are supposed to be private to you and your friends. And I have a rule with this house that um, no one can be in it unless they're followed by somebody who is already in it. And we have lots of guests. And so, guests I can uh, ask you to put your names on the waiting list but if I if I don't think that anyone else in the house because I invited the the original group of people into the house very carefully because again I wanted to I wanted to make sure it's that organic we could, I think you what uh, since we're talking about trust let's you
5: want to jump into it and talk about how yeah. how trust is a shared enterprise?
2: Yeah. Well, or let's share, first let share me this tell with you what. Time. Yeah, but first, let me tell you what GPT, Chat GPT, thinks about trust because, of course, AI is all the rage, and I actually found, I actually found some good stuff in the uh, the the chat that is generated by an app called Sage, which is one of the artificial intelligence chats made by Quora. And the reason that I really like Quora is because Quora is ordinary people who got on stage and um, (laughs) who got on the app and, um, and answered questions. And so it's going to be a little bit different than, you know, whatever, whoever trained OpenAI or ChatGPT. So here, David, trust is a complex concept. Okay, Heyman's just telling me we should ask Barbara to give the definition of trust. She can come after Sage, Heyman. <laughs> Trust is a a complex concept that refers to the belief in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something. Trust involves a sense of confidence and assurance that another person, organization, or entity will act in a way that is consistent with our expectations and values. In organizations, trust refers to the belief that the organization and its leaders will act in the best interests of its employees, customers and stakeholders. Um, So in conclusion, trust is a crucial component of relationships and organizations as it creates a sense of confidence, security and stability that allows individuals and organizations to function effectively. Barbara, are you better than chat GPT? Well, let's just
0: give it a shot. All right. So what I say about trust, what I say about trust is congruence. And what I mean by congruence is uh, to be able to be congruent with your intention and your behavior. So if you're, if you're, if you want to be trustworthy, you need to walk the talk around it, right? I also say there's a more enlightened version of trust, and that is that it's intentional, that it is unbroken until it's broken. But you walk, so for example, you know, I trust my son, right? I come from that place of trust, right? And sometimes he he may make mistakes, but it's just a blip, blip on the screen. We address it, and I intentionally trust him again. Right. Uh, so that's the more enlightened version, but, but the bottom line is it's, it's about congruence, truly walking the talk with your intention and your behavior.
2: So suppose you let's, let's talk about some of our institutions and, um, well, I'll tell you a story. Let me tell you a story. There, There is an article, um, on Substack by a journalist who people like uh, Roz will remember, Seymour Hirsch. Seymour Hirsch was a New York Times uh, journalist and a um, and a New Yorker writer for years and years and years. And I think he's maybe um, I think he's maybe a little older than I am. Seymour Hirsch wrote an article this week on Substack that said. That the United States had blown up Nord Stream One and Two and was doing it in secret with the with the okay of Germany and Norway.
7: Not just Germany, but Norway.
2: No, it said with Germany. For sure not.
7: <laughs> yeah, Germany did
4: not.
2: Okay, know. well, Marcus, I'm I read just the article telling you what... Oh, okay. <laughs> okay good you read the article but I'm just what I'm saying is is exactly this exactly this Cy Hirsch used to be a journalist everyone believed he was really known throughout his career as trustworthy and so now not only is this not published in the New Yorker which is thus but he you know he has been told by the United States and Germany and I think the British government that the article is not true. And so so there we have a big question. And the question is, do we still trust this journalist do or do we trust the United States? Is the United States telling the truth? Is Germany telling the truth when it says that it doesn't agree with this? When in the article, it says Germany was right alongside, you know, so, so here we are, and this is just the latest article that I read. It's not, you know, it's not anything other than a microcosm of of you know what's out there and one of the reasons why we don't trust so
4: i think uh i think the point of the trust part is you have to look back at what the definition is right it's the reputation i think he has a good reputation but unfortunately I think uh he they I'm not sure whether it was planted but he was uh like he had some previous stories so they're using that as an excuse. I've noticed the discussion that's been going on. It's misinformation <laughs> campaigns too, right? We like we have to use our judgment so we have to look at the history, the breath uh and everything else. I'm not sure like anyone else wants Marcus you were chiming in on that one.
7: Yeah, I mean the article I got uh, from some chairman's uh, um funnel to me yesterday. And um, the Germans are completely upset if that was true, and the German government to admit that they were part of that, it would be like the Chinese government admitting that they give Taiwan the independence. I mean, that's that's. Uh, <laughs> I would be careful saying that this is in the article. Um, I read read not every word. The guy, yes. Um, <laughs> Lao the old philosopher I like so much, says, you trust the trustworthy and you trust the not trustworthy. I had to swallow a few times to read that. But um, trust for me is the essence of living. And it goes beyond trustworthy. If I understand myself, I understand the world. And yes, that guy had some shaky reputation the last few years. Um, so, yes, I agree with that. And I looked that up um, for more or sum up in as you, know, as, you know, thing to some other issues. Um, but, yeah, I think trust is more than love. Trust is more than love, hate, good, bad. It is both.
4: And also remember, it's the like dance of life. And also, isn't it true that people can be planted? I mean, reporters, Francine, can give, be given the wrong information to tarnish their reputation because I think that happened even with uh, uh, Mike Wallace, wasn't it? And he was. Actually- oh yeah,
2: no question. I'm, I'm, you know, I, you know, I'm confused because I've been reading Cy Hirsch for years and years, but when I read this article, I was like oh, how can we possibly trust the government if, you know, if the government did this? And so that's that's where I'm admitting that I am where so many people are, which is unable to trust anything. And the reason why I really like cockeyed optimists as a theme song is because when I grew up, we this wasn't always the case you know you could trust you could trust people you could if somebody wrote something you could trust what they wrote if they told it to you in school you could trust it were we all wrong and part of a much
3: It comes
2: to me?
3: <laughs> yes, we were all wrong. Yes. Like, I think that the bottom line is like trust is a, it's a construct. It's not, it's not real. Right. So the story, we all have different stories that were told and they, those stories create a foundation with which to kind of, um, I hate to use the word manipulate, but to move people, to be able to influence people, right? We're always building influence and building influence through the stories that are told. So when you say like you were able to believe people and trust people, but all the time you were being lied to about so many different things, but you felt like... Um, you could trust the stories that you were being told, which I think is the other side of the problem, right? Like we have to understand, even in our in our present age, there are people who are deeply invested in stoking distrust, right? They need you to not trust anything or everything that you hear. And that is what worries me, Denise. Right. So I think there's like, I think that we if you pan back and you just kind of see it as like, None of it is actually real. Like you always have to use critical thinking and discernment. It's it's never too good to be true, and it's never so horrible. You know, we we really struggle with with a heaven hell polarity of, of of how we look at the world. And the truth of it is, neither neither story is the true story, right? Like what we have to do is use our discernment and um and evaluate every single situation. Just because x person that i like says something that doesn't make it true and the opposite just because i don't like you i don't like your politics i don't like who you are it doesn't mean everything that you say is a lie we've so the the challenge is not so much trust as much as our comfort with discerning for ourselves. We really liked the world better when people told us what to do. But now that we have more information, we have to be more discerning than we ever been before. And so this notion of trust um, for institutions becomes more complex because nobody's perfect. People do things all the time to serve their own best interests and our desire for things to be pristine, for it to be effective, creates a level of complexity that makes us all kind of struggle with this idea of, like, is, is there a boogeyman around every corner? So I so I guess my, my long-winded statement ends up with, discernment is a thing, and we all need to revisit it, and, you know, it's a trust-but-verify world.
1: And Dr. And- Francine... Go ahead, Dr. Elizabeth. Sure. Um, I think it's the level and the magnitude of the misinformation slash lies for me, which has uh, caused me to now look at news sources. I'm on a lot of streams and I I read a lot of news, but there are certain stations and certain broadcasts I, I actually won't go to. Um, because they've proven to be untrustworthy on the big macro issues. So for me, I think, Denise, I think you're absolutely right, but there's a sense of comfort where there's nothing really big or, or... it was. It's the big things now, within the last three years, that have caused me to start questioning things that I otherwise wouldn't have. And I think that, I don't know what your response is, I, I'm really optimistic, I'm not cynical, I lead with trust when I'm interacting with companies, with people, with professionals, and then they can prove me wrong. But if I don't lead with trust, um, there's never going to be a connection there. There's never going to be an interaction there that's worthy of of my time. That's what I do know. Uh, But also, I think that when there's so much questioning, I think we leave our homes coated in armor. And so I think when, um, as Marcus said, when the truth comes at us, or when non-truth comes at us we're probably going to be it's going to be just as hard if not harder to convince me something is true than untrue just because of what we've walked through over the past three years and i yield the the mic back to you dr francine
2: well you don't have to give it back to me you can give it back to anyone who has something to add i want to know
5: um can I just yes. give you a hot, yes. hot take? I think I think the reason why trust is such a, we'll call it this post truth world, it's not a new concept to bring that up, but um, it's really when there's narrative conflict. And if we go back way back to the Wayback Machine, Walter Cronkite, is when we had a more common, more common narrative, not, it, and often it was silencing a lot of, um, not just corner cases, but a lot of non mainstream views. Um, That's when people were in more trust because there was not a narrative conflict. But now that there's so much intentional misinformation, disinformation, advertising space, anxiety, provocation, bleeds, it leads the hijacking of our, our diet of consumption of media has thrown this trust thing. I would say trust is more like a verb, kind of like respect. It's the posture you take on a situation. And yeah, you have to be a more discerning consumer of information, a more critical thinker. I think we would all agree on that. Thankfully, the people on stage have got a pretty good tool set, you know, Swiss army knife. But my take is this is just a narrative conflict that starts distrust as then something that has to be balanced against Where do I put my trust? Because I have to. It's like a vote you take every time you pick up a piece of information now that it didn't used to be. Do we have a
2: democracy if we don't have trust? Can we have a democracy?
5: Well, can we wait? Can we measure how much of that verb was happening before? And and net net? Is there less of it? Yeah, I think there's less of it. But democracies are renewed just like a verb. We have to renew these institutions. They don't automatically evolve into being a utopia that's my dad introduced me the concept of cornucopia and i i didn't know what it was and i still have to do some research on it so
7: in my life i have a compass and the needle of the
5: compass
7: this uh, goes if i have a common sense pole in my life the needle will guide me through life and i build trust all the way it's getting more and more and more Oh, no, good now, I,
2: oh good, Shireen I was just gonna ask you. I wanted to ask you, if you are black in America right now, is it harder to trust than it used to be?
6: <laughs> I'm sorry.
3: We never Did you trusted
6: laugh? Yeah I we laughed. never Somebody trusted.
3: I laughed. It was Denise. We never trusted. Uh, we never trusted any of y'all. Me. We okay. Her, that's...
6: 400 but we
8: got years, by anyway.
6: I'm sorry. <laughs> we never trusted any of y'all. Y'all have been when someone said that like we have a narrative conflict. We have a narrative conflict because y'all were always telling a completely separate narrative than our experience. Like the problem that we're having is that you're starting to listen to some of our experience in in very measured ways. Like you're still keeping your distance from it, but our grandparents and their grandparents told us the stories of what was happening to them. That was not a media narrative. Every time we told the story in the media and I did a thread about this, uh, Tulsa, for example, was because there was a black newspaper telling a different story. Wait, can Laurie mute her mic, please? Adam girl, Laurie. Thank you. Uh, so when there was a black newspaper counting the media narrative that was being told, um, then we were killed. Land was taken. People died. And then there was a different story told after that because there was. we were then told not to say anything because then we'd be killed again. We're not, the, the, it's not three years. It's centuries. Of this behavior. It shows up at different points. We get a little bit of leeway. We get to tell our version of the story. And then someone still shows up and says. Hey I'm about to destroy that. The insurrection in in Wilmington in 1898. Was also based on the fact. That a black newspaper. Told a completely different story. Than what the political narrative. Was happening at that time. And again. A massacre happened. An insurrection happened. Politicians were killed. Wilmington at that time was a multi-interracial space. So every time we get close to doing that, getting to the multi-interracial space, someone shows up to destroy it. And when I say someone, I'm being very careful about the someone that I'm saying. But you know what I mean. Because this history of this country has done that same thing repeatedly. The insurrection on January 6th was the same thing exact thing so when people say to black people isn't it better okay technology exists is that the better part like we are not able to still tell our stories when nicole hannah jones told the 1619 project white scholars showed up and said you can't tell us we are we we're disagreeing because we're white you are disagreeing because you're white Your narrative is different because you're looking at it from that bias lens while you're telling us that we're looking at it differently from our bias lens. The narrative conflict is that we're looking through completely separate lenses and you're trusting the people who look like you over us. You're trusting the people who have an opinion about our actual lived experience. We are telling you what we experienced, and you're saying, I can't believe you. I have to go over here and get the data from the people who I trust. And that's the difference, Dr. Francine. No disrespect, but I know that sometimes people don't get that part.
2: Uh, well, I I, 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 I want to agree with what was said. I mean, I,
5: I, I think the narrative conflict is where violence occurs. Like, my, my grandfather escaped the Holocaust. A lot of. The violence was to kill the narrative that of the brutality that was going on at the time. So trust is back when I said it was a verb. It's something we have to build like we build community. It doesn't happen spontaneously. And I and I I tried to insulate when there was a single narrative. It was the only narrative. And now that there's more exposure, there's a reconciliation process that too many of people who have a similar skin tone to me have. Have, and I hear all over Clubhouse saying horrible shit, but I I don't want to be associated with it. But I'm trying to explain this this overtime ism of trust and, and how we, it's a currency. So how do we get it back is to to share the microphone and to 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 take um, camaraderie in our shared experiences. And back to where I I, I want to go back to what the chat GPT can we compare. Just read it again for the people that have joined. Maybe a kind of a room reset, old school style. Um, but but what? not to, to silence. Any voices. I just meant to. So what did Chat GPT? And I was wondering what did it say again how does that relate to what we've been saying is it at all all comport because it was about leadership in an organization and it had some assumptions built into that that is that are totally not present in what we're what we are in this conversation talking about we're not talking about organizational leadership we're talking about what's fraying in social uh civil society
2: well and it's certainly because i always arguing
5: other people's narratives
2: I always come back to an individual level, you know, and and, and and okay, I'm gonna use Shireen as an example. You know, I met Shireen about two years ago or something like that on the app. And I've been watching her and admiring her and attending her rooms and trying to learn from her as best I can. And sometimes on an individual level, I feel like I feel like I don't know how to move that. I mean, I know how to love and respect Shireen individually. Okay, and and, and Elijah for that matter, both of and Denise, who are all good friends of mine on the app. But I don't know how to move that into a larger arena. You know, I don't, I don't understand how to say, look, these are wonderful people.
8: Hey, Dr. Francine, you know what? But here's the thing about trust. You know, I always, I I go with this thing, moving at the rate of trust. And you move at the rate of trust for you, but we're not waiting for other people to move. I'm not waiting for somebody to like or love me or, or see value in me. I'm not waiting for that. Good. <laughs> I redeem myself. But black people
6: but black people have had to do that in this country for over Absolutely. years. Absolutely. That's the difference, Dr. Francine. Because it, it, it is the increments that you're speaking to is small. It also has to do with the exposure in the And the moments that we get to have these conversations, difficult or not. But that's also why segregation worked. Because as long as you could not be in the same spaces as me, you couldn't see the world through my eyes. When I'm standing next to me and you're watching something racist happen, you're now looking through a different lens because you're standing next to me. But if you're across the globe, if you're across the country, and you are basically in a predominantly white environment, you have no concept at all. There's no way for that to happen. And I say that, I say that with all the breadth of who I am. I grew up in a completely multicultural environment. Then I went off to an HBCU. It becomes an isolated environment. My mind is shifting the same way anyone else's mind is shifting because I see the world now through a completely different lens. I don't agree with everything that I'm seeing at the point, but I am looking at a completely different lens. Then I get to go back to my multicultural existence. I'm looking at it from different eyes. I have never in my life been in an isolated, predominantly white environment ever. That did not exist for me. There are too many people in this country have only been in a white dominant space and they're talking about other groups of people completely with no context. That's the difference.
4: May I offer yeah, a, a way oh, for, Go ahead. Denise. Yeah.
3: And I'll add to that too, that I think that um, there is a, um, it's almost a, a level of mental illness that we're seeing now, with the proliferation of tools that allow us to actually um, expose the truth, um, people are wilding out. They're like losing themselves because they've been given a narrative that hasn't that has been so profoundly untrue for so long. And then when you see videotape and you see, you know, things that you just knew in your heart was absolutely impossible or not true, when thing after thing after thing after thing comes to light because you have, sorry, because you have these additional tools, when thing after thing comes to light because you have these additional tools, it rocks your sense of who you are because your stories are who makes you. Your stories tell you what a captain looks like and what the hero of the story and who's supposed to end up with the girl at the end, right? It's your stories that make you who you are. And so when you come across all of this information, thing after thing after thing is debunked, it rocks you. So you have now this kind of collective almost... I don't know. It's like a like a mini nervous breakdown that the whole country is happening, having around the fact that your stories aren't true, but they were never true. So to me, I don't see that as as depressing or disheartening. I see it as as a blessing, like the veil has been lifted. You've been unplugged from the matrix. So let's celebrate that and let's improve our discernment skills. But instead, people start banning books like, you know, like like, the the goal is to. Yeah, it's like it's like instead of like embracing the fact that some of your stories have been patently untrue and that you've been manipulated with these stories and being grateful and glad that you're getting this additional insight and information, people resort to just subverting and and um uh like blinding out, wiping out the truth. So they because you have a beloved lie. It's very hard to replace a beloved lie with an actual, especially distasteful truth. Like when when Martin Luther King Jr. died, his his approval rating, he he had a 67% disapproval rating. America hated Martin Luther King when he died, but you would never know that to see how we posture and pretend now because we haven't invested. We, we can't have the world give him a Nobel Peace Prize and the, and the place of his birth hate him. Right. But like, I think that we should look at these things as positive. Because the information is coming in, we're learning to do better, and that can allow us to be better. But instead, it translates into a crisis of trust. And to, okay, so I, I, oh.
2: I, I want to make this a little more positive in the sense that I'd like to know what and Marcus has been saying in the chat. There are rituals that help to build trust and that we maybe need to change the currency. We need to, Marcus, you say it. We need to rebalance money. So so the
7: the key reason why trust uh, erodes is because money is the only parameter of happiness these days. So I can buy anything media can be bought, the presidency can be bought, anything is, integrity doesn't matter. And we have to incentivize through rituals to strengthen integrity. And
2: And what are those rituals?
7: I I would say, well, Clubhouse is a ritual. Right now we are talking to each other, it's a ritual. the presidential speech two days ago is a ritual of a democracy. The, the, the burial of the queen was a ritual where people stand in line for days in the rain, but they fell together. So we need to find rituals which make it viable, emotionally viable, that we are more the same than we are different. As a doctor, I have that ritual every day. The liver looks the same regardless if you have a burqa, if you're black or white, uh, if the breast cancer looks the same. I don't care where you're coming from. I say salam to the, to the woman in the worker, and uh, I create trust. But uh, there are other jobs in life where money is more pivotal, even in medicine. Just look at the documentary you saw america pain in cnn three days ago
6: so dr dr francine uh, marcus I, i'll all oh. <laughs> i'm sorry i need to pause because i have a, a visceral reaction and i realize i need to pull myself down so healthcare system does not treat black women the same equally period It's never been the case it has not existed it doesn't matter where you go so, when someone uses that as an example, that's also a failed trust example. There's a, There are medical books that think that we uh, can handle pain longer and more than others because we were exper- experimented on, right? That narrative, that story that's being told is a false story. We are still dying in maternal mortality rates, as well as other problems. Even breast cancer looks different in the black woman than it does in the white woman. There's actually a genetic framework there. The point that I'm trying to make is that you can have this conversation about currency but the the only currency then we have to land on a debate about capitalism and we also have to end on a debate about the fact that black women were producing economic currency for white people in this country by having up to 27 babies that they can use either in labor or sell. We aren't having the same conversation about trust because we aren't also accepting some of those realities, even in the context of our economic value sets. That is the fundamental reason that we can't have trust because we can't admit that Black women were valued for the 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 ability to give birth to property for a white person. If we can't do that, we cannot have the conversation. We are basically... Placating comfort for people who don't want to believe that that was the case. We're also placating the case that people then get to steal land from black and brown people and still have generational wealth that they pass down to their own while black people no longer have the ability to do that. My grandfather died in my house. He went to fight at the war in World War II, came back to Jim Crow, could not get the GI bill, could not buy a house. He had never had his own house until I put him in my house for the last five years of his life. He could not pass down that. And that was legal. That's the difference of trust that we are not having. Because my story, as well as many other stories, people go, well, your grandfather didn't experience it the same way. Yes, he and I still exist in this world having the same experience. The difference is, did I work hard coming out of the projects to have a house that he could live in for the last five years? Yes. But did that general wealth follow me? I grew up in the projects because he could not. Well, you're not
2: going anywhere, Shereen. You don't know if it's following you. Wait. That wealth will... What do you mean, Dr. Francie? I'm sorry. Well, you said well, that general well? I thought you meant generational wealth follow you. You don't know if it'll follow you. It very well might, you know. No, it you're not going I to don't have
6: it. It doesn't exist.
2: I thought you had a house. No.
3: No, she means she means before generational generational wealth.
6: Oh, from before. I thought you meant you you did. My it, grandfather now... could not pass down the house to me. Right, but you're going to have pe- passed down a house to somebody now because I broke it. But but my grandparents didn't have it. Your grandparents had it.
2: No, they didn't. But never mind. I mean, that's you
6: understand what I'm saying?
2: Those yes, mind, my parents, mind, you...
6: people have that generational wealth that they're passing down. I get to pass it down now, but it was never passed to me. Okay, could I,
2: before we move on to how this works in business, um, I just, and I know I have no right to to suggest this, Shireen, but can you be Happy that you now have a house that maybe you'll be able to pass down, and that maybe um, other people in your generation have that.
6: Can, can we? No, because can we shift definitely. from the the horribleness of the past? No, because the generation behind me doesn't have the capabilities anymore. School debt. Right, that didn't exist in my grandparents' timeline. That is taking away wealth, right? Like, think about what I'm saying. We're coming. up- I'm thinking existence. about what you're saying. I'm trying. I'm trying to find
2: because I am the person who I am, and because I love you, Shereen. I'm trying to find a silver lining in here somehow for you. You know what I mean? And and it's not because. I don't think all the things that, that you have taught me about, about how, how the United States has treated black people in the past and the tradition of slavery. I, I just don't want to feel so hopeless because I feel like you have broken through And I feel like you should spend some time in gratitude for having broken through. No one in my family ever owned a house before me. But, you know, I mean, white or black, it didn't matter in my particular case. No one could. But I do. And so I sometimes wake up in the morning and I feel grateful because somehow I did it. Uh, you know, and, and I want you to feel grateful too for what you did do, not just for all the shit around you. I mean, there's a lot of shit around you. I'm not. I'm not denying that, and I and, and I and I believe it's still true. And you know, but but there's some some room in your life. I hope for gratitude of what you. Have achieved because you have achieved so much.
6: I cannot. Maybe I'm just
2: a st- stupid old lady, but I, anyway. okay.
6: So the problem is, I get seen as an exception, right? because well, you're... yeah,
2: but I don't. I don't see you as an exception anymore. Any more than I see Denise. Uh, as an
8: exception, because I don't live in the black community, mm, never mind. Dr. Francine, come on, me, Denise, and Shireen, we—it's <laughs> like, come on. That's being a little disingenuous, you know what I mean? Because we were on here early, we were on here first. Um, we got, you know what I mean? It just, just that alone should tell you a little bit of something. Yeah. You know,
6: we stayed. Well, uh, we stayed despite the. The, the harm being inflicted so so what I want to just 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 I the part that I understand that you're trying to say can I be grateful I am I have always been grateful because I am thankful for the family that I was born into and I was born into that family and I have so many stories about all of that I can be thankful about that but even those stories are not stories that you could even ever relate to because they're completely out of context and what it means to be successful and be in this country as the, the body that I was born into. I am trying to express that while other groups of people have wealth passed down, I still have people in my community that are being told that even when they pay taxes, the state has the right to to do whatever they want to them, right? We are having a disconnected conversation because what I am fighting about is that we can have a disagreement and I can love where I am and who I am today after all the challenges that I was faced with as a black woman, but the state is still writing laws against me So I'm not happy about that.
2: Yeah, I do see that. Of course, I see it.
6: So you understand? The state is not writing laws against you, Dr. Francine. The state is writing laws against me. And that happened for my grandparents, who were living through Jim Crow. My mother was was born during Jim Crow. I I was born outside of Jim Crow, i.e. the Civil Rights Movement. And right now today... I am watching the state write laws
3: against
6: me. How am I supposed to be happy about that?
3: And I think I'd I'd also add, I'd also add to it um, that, you know, we, we, we've had this conversation around trust, right? That's the topic. The topic of the room is trust. And we all, we all pretty much seemed to agree That, you know, we've had these narratives that were given to us that that weren't true. Um, You know, should we have gone into Vietnam? Could we trust, you know, different news anchors and different politicians and stories we were told? We're we're seeing that these stories were not true. And it's created a level of disquiet and um, uncertainty and discomfort in all of us really nationwide it's a nationwide shared distrust right um so i think that sometimes because of that discomfort we want to silence the bad stories we we want to move past the uncomfortable parts of conversations because we don't we we really don't want to reconcile with the um with these new realities. And then the problem becomes that, that, you know, to make peace, you know, to create comfort in the conversation, we should move on that. And I, and I, and, and I don't, I'm not saying that to, to. Uh, I'm not attacking you, um, Dr. Francine. I'm just saying, I just want to name something that's happening in the room. Yeah, that, and people
8: are saying this in the chat, Denise.
3: Yeah, that we're sharing kind of like, this is where the distrust comes from. This is where people are struggling. This is, this is a space, but. It's making some of some people in the room uncomfortable and we just want to move past it. So can we talk about something else? Which triggers, you know, which which is just fine. Right. This is your room. You can talk about anything you want to talk about. But what it triggers. No, because I feel grateful. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. And Dr. Francine also.
8: And because it's a house, you can actually change the topic right now.
3: You can but do to whatever do, to you want. But what my no, my point, if gonna... I could just if I could just finish the, the the thought, my the the it triggers. I know it triggers in me. I, it's what I hear in in Shereen too. Is this because there's been so much untruth? When you have a feeling that you're sharing a truth and it's being marginalized, it's being sidelined, it's being diminished, it's being made smaller it triggers a defense of the truth that you feel like you have to say it more. You have to say it louder. You have to say it with your full chest, right? So yes, I'm incredibly grateful of the life that I have been able to build for myself, of the relationships I've been able to build and the things I've been able to accomplish. But I have a fear um, and and I want to name it as a fear. I have a fear that when people see What I have been able to accomplish, which is what I hear Shereen saying, um, I have, I, when I have something that I've accomplished, that there's a, a, you can use that to dismiss the harm, dismiss the story. And I don't think you're doing that intentionally. I'm telling you, that's how it's, that's how it feels like I have to say it louder and I have to say it more often and I have to say it in 10 different ways because the desire the deep desire is to move on and change the subject yeah oh, yes
2: you're you're right here's Rick you know, go ahead Rick I, I
9: saw an article in the in the paper today and this is one of the reasons why trust is so hard to get. The article headline is the Mississippi House okayed a new court system to be appointed by white state officials for the second blackest city in the U.S. So the entire justice system, the judges, the uh, um, the DAs, the um, you know the the defendant attorneys are all going to be a, appointed by state officials to a black city. This is uh, this is 2022, 2023, and I'm reading this in the paper. I'm 68. This is shit that I would have read in the paper in the 50s. And what, what doing something like this does, it doesn't just affect the way white people or me, a white Latino, perceive what's going on here. Because what that house is saying is black people cannot run a justice system. And for a young black child in that area, it's it's a way of creating doubt in themselves and doubt in the children. And that will last for generations. And it's very difficult to get rid of. I grew up in Wisconsin, went to an all-white high uh, elementary school, and there were things that happened there. I was always told that Madison was a liberal bastion, that the north of the United States fought slavery and fought racism, and it's just not true. And I, what I did is, is, you know, I go, well, was it better or worse when I was a kid? So I went and I talked to friends. I called this year a friend of my mom's who's getting close to 90 now. And she was a black woman that worked with my mom in a hospital. And I, I asked her, I said, what was it really like in Madison back when we were kids. And the one thing that has changed is she said, well, today I can tell you what it's like. And she said, when you were a kid, you," she would have not told me this stuff. And, you know, it's, it's the whole truth We can get better if we're willing to hear the whole truth. And yes, it will make us uncomfortable. It will make us question ourselves. And so what? So what if we question our role in, in the continuing legacy of racism in this country, we should question ourselves. And, At the same time, we can be grateful for the changes that have been made, but we have a long way to go. And I'm very uncomfortable. (laughs) I'm uncomfortable all the time. And so what, you know, I'm, I may be uncomfortable, but I'm not in danger. And I think that that is the big difference. That has taken me so long to even get a minimal grasp of that being there's, although being uncomfortable is not a fun feeling, it's not the same as being in danger, as having your life put in danger. And that's the stuff that, that, you know, frankly, I just don't really get. You know, I don't get that that my life is in danger stuff that other people in this country put up with from the day they are born. And we can change that. But it's going to be tough. It's going to be uncomfortable. But we have to change it because we are leaving so much behind by not, making people our equals and by not trusting people.
2: Totally. You know, it's,
9: yeah. it's it's yeah. up to it's us up to us to trust the people that we don't trust. And what I'm talking about is it's up to the white people to trust that that everybody is our equal until they prove otherwise. <laughs> you know? And, and that's, uh, I don't know. That's
3: well, can I what ask I you a question? What, everybody- oh. yeah, what do you think about the wealth
10: distribution?
9: That was Kyle. Oh, What do
10: you think about the wealth distribution, Rick?
9: Well, the wealth distribution, that's part of it. I mean, if you look back at our history, a lot of wealth generation was generated by uh, homesteading. Who was left out of those homestead acts? That generated great wealth in this country. You just go find a plot of land, you work the land and it's yours, and you have free socialist generational wealth. Who was left out of that? Black people.
10: Well, uh, I still a much bigger uh, population than just black people alone as of the third quarter of 2022, I believe 10% of the American population uh, controlled 68% of the wealth. Yeah.
9: I I mean, it's, that's a whole other, that's a whole
10: other issue. Well, yeah. And And it's probably pretty important. Wouldn't you think?
0: It's
9: very important. Yeah. And and it's, well, that's, that's part of the trust issue.
8: Wait, yeah, me... and it's Can all, I ask I mean, a question? Yeah, Dr. Francine. I also just want to throw this out here because trust for me is also like, it's an inside out thing. And it's, um, you know, how do I keep myself safe, you know, outside of what other, what, what things may come against me? How do I move at the rate of my own trust? You know, and when I see people who, you know, you don't trust people because you don't know them. But then it's like, do you really know yourself? Do you know that you're not violent? Do you know that you won't harm a black person when you're in proximity to that? Do you know that about yourself?
2: Well, I, I like to close. Not you, room. per se.
8: Not you, per se. I
2: know. Dude, I know. I don't have a violent bone in my body. I, I, this conversation is not... Over. And I really like that I've sort of fought my desire to move on to how trust works in business because I don't think we can talk about that until we finish this discussion. And this is a discussion that makes me uncomfortable. And you
8: know, and this is why I have a therapist because I don't know if I trust myself enough to not beat somebody's ass literally for being racist in my city. I don't know that I trust myself enough like that, so I have to keep working on it. May I ask a question?
6: I I Dr. Francine. So here's 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 a perfect example, and 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 I know like you're trying to move this along, right? The Trust part is really, really important. So my Black mother trusted the doctor that basically said that I was going to be okay. Then there's a moment where it's clearly obvious something's wrong with me. So the doctor who's telling her, I'm fine, she is trusting. If she kept trusting all the way through, I would be dead at 18. She stopped at a moment going, no, something's wrong. And she took me to a different doctor. By the way, that doctor shows up, listens to my heart. He turns beat red in front of me. Something's wrong. He goes and gets another doctor, comes back in that doctor is looking me in the face and listening to my heart and he turns sheet white. The little girl is going, what's wrong with me? And nobody tells me what's wrong with me. Trust has everything to do with conversations like that. They take my mother out the room. She comes back. There's tears in her eyes. No one's telling me what's wrong with me. How do I continue to build trust when literally the people who are supposed to make me feel better, the people I'm supposed to trust to save my life, are not telling me the truth. I was dying in front of all of them. The only way I could be saved was an experimental surgery. No one still told me until I was basically 28 years old that I was going to die. My mother still can't say it. So even trust between me and my mother is a problem. I would never have survived if nothing was done. But trust becomes a different conversation because now I realize People will not say the truth when the truth is necessary, even in the moment. So I always tell the truth because that moment in my life is the thing that makes me happy about now because I will tell you the truth. I will not lie to you and I will be very frank. You may not like what I'm saying, but not telling the truth almost got me killed. Get it?
2: I do get it. I do get it, and and I I want to come. Th- this is what's wrong. I can see it, and and I and I can also see to a certain degree why it's wrong. I'm not sure I see a way that that anything I do here can be. You know, can quote fix it unquote, but I don't I'm, think you need I to I fix am... it, Francine.
4: I think it's a it's a conversation that's the most important part, right? I think the 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 fact that yes. you actually build like we're building a community where people can be vulnerable, share this fairly, and also not feel that any. I mean, that's the one thing that we need to also uh, reassure people. I think uh, when we're in a group, and especially in a room sense, I guess. We also have to be understanding of the other who may not also know, coming from a space where they may not be familiar with these situations, for them to also be able to safely or feel safe or feel uh, they could be also vulnerable in in showing their ignorance. And basically, because at the end of the day, all of us have struggles. I mean, it's I know, but the struggle may not be, if you compare it to different people, it may not be the same grade. But in, in if we put it in objective terms, but it still means a struggle to that person. So it may be that I know that some people may not be able to relate. They may say, oh, my problem was worse than yours. Right. But it's 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 all contextual. Um, so I think I mean, again, I could be wrong on this, too. So it's it's a matter of just flushing it out and talking about it. Cause I was going to bring up some articles, but I don't think it's appropriate at this time because I think we're finishing up. But I think the key thing is if we look the world over. Uh, there are people who may be in more dire situations who are also losing trust, but where do they go and how do, you, like, how do they deal with it? Uh, while we are in a situation where we're a little bit better off in the Western world, we have the, the privilege of time to be part of, uh, participants in this group discussion, uh, talking about trust and everything else. So it's going to be an ongoing
10: conversation. Let's have
2: Barbara close us out because she hasn't gotten a chance to talk at all.
10: And since she's on the phone, just quickly, I'll say that uh, trust and truth, those are two words um, that if anyone were to Google them um, and look at them in the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy, um, they are two words that uh, not the majority of the population actually comprehends and understands.
2: Well, maybe we could begin there next week. Is Barbara still on the phone?
4: Yeah, she is. But also, I just put up this article. It's just a just a primer. I mean, it just basically talks about the six building blocks based on a few things on Dalai Lama and so forth. But it's basically six building blocks of trust. Uh, these are the qualities that are required are reliability, dependability of a person or group, the transparency uh, of the group. And so basically competencies, basically that's we know in a business sense or anything like you want to build trust in a leader who's competent, uh, sincerity, authenticity and congruency, fairness openness and vulnerability. Um, so if a person never says they're wrong or and apologizes or acknowledges their mistakes, other people do not feel comfortable disagreeing with them or sharing their own thoughts. A leader who's never wrong never gets the truth from others. Yet a timely apology or admission bring being a wrong in you know, a powerful weapon to build and rebuild trust. So I think, I don't know, maybe this could be, uh, on, it has to be an ongoing discussion, but it's uh, a discussion. oh, it's
2: definitely going to be an ongoing discussion because but
4: I think also we should also it's so
2: complicated.
4: And also I think it might help I mean uh, is basically pull back and maybe make us a little bit more objective in looking at situations around the world. and then that way we could also relate back to those situations that are local too, because I think when we get like that way we could be a little bit more objective as well to like to disentangle I mean disentangle this whole um, the trust issue. Because I think we're also in a privileged position. I though we do have our problems in here as well. I think we are in a somewhat more privileged situation than others, who may be in, let's say, Syria right now, right? Or uh, who basically have been lost trust in everything, and now they've lost, had the earthquake, and they don't know who to trust, and now um, going forward. So.
3: I think it's and also really important. I think it's also really important to think about it from the other side of yeah. like what does it take to be trustworthy? Mm-hmm. right? What, what can I do to earn the trust of the people that um, whether I'm a leader or supervisor or a manager, I'm in relationship. such a big piece of trust is relationship mm-hmm. and, and how we conduct ourselves. And so I think it'd be lovely to kind of explore like what are the behaviors that we do that create distrust in the people that we interact with and how can we purge those behaviors and move forward together. Cause I think that's ultimately what we all want. We wanna everybody wants to be heard. They wanna be seen. They want to feel seen. They want to feel like their experience is being acknowledged. Like there's a common thread of behaviors that everybody craves, but clearly there's not there's a set of behaviors that everyone's not doing. Right. So that's the delta that we gotta like figure out and and figure out how to how to bridge that chasm and create trust in ways that are actionable and 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 I love what you said earlier Dr. Francine about it being for you it feels very individual like that you're working to build like these in the individual personal relationships and they create that's, a space that's what I'm trying to do and I'm, you're doing yeah. it and you're and you're doing it and that's why I want to just make you feel a little give you a little bit of comfort in this really uncomfortable <laughs> conversation that the only way we feel like we can have this conversation is because we trust you and because we love you and so like to some people they may walk away from this conversation and feel like it was a bad one but I feel like it was outstanding mm-hmm. because if you can really t- that's how you know I you're, really friends. Too. you're really friends <sighs> you really have a connection you can really trust each other so kudos to you Thank you, Denise. I'm now crying. All right, let me
2: tell you all what I tell you every week, that I love you, that I feel privileged that you come to the room and share your experience with me, that that I feel like I'm constantly learning from everybody who comes to the room. And I think this is really important. And it's what I mean about leaving the world a little better than... I found it. So I will, if you don't mind, uh, see you next week. And we will have that kind of conversation, Denise, which I, you know, I, I think is, it's so important. And Haman, and I also want to have the conversation about what we do on the bigger, more global um uh, Yeah, and I think also it'll help.
4: It also helps with the, for instance, uh, like bring uh, Barbara's experience in the business side because I think that is something to Marcus's point earlier too. Will help us sort of uh, as a group be um, sort of focused on solutions, and then we could also we could still keep the the more important uh, the stuff also working on that too. But I think we need to, you know, get going on actionable things too in the early stage
2: well that's where you know every week i think we're going to get to some actionable things and and every week um we find that we have to do more community building before yeah. we can get to that and yeah and the and time
8: crunch honestly the time crunch dr francine you know it doesn't help when you're talking about yeah. these are like spiritual principles these are this is so much deeper then it's like everything. It's, it's it's bigger than business. It's bigger than just race. It's bigger than America's problem with race. It's 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 like, but it's an internal thing. It, the work is mostly internal, and then you bring that work forward. That's what that's right. that's what I'm uh, offering, you know, as a solution building, you know, because you know we'll, somebody talked about the tenets of trust and truth and etymology. I'm 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 big into etymology, but. You know, if you can't be trans- tell yourself the truth. If you can't be transparent with yourself about how you feel about race or different races, or you, or, you know, or the illusion of race, whatever. But you know, if you can't be honest and have uh, honest conversations with yourself about what happened without bringing in your political bias, then there's no there's no reason for any kind of back and forth. There's no because we're not when you when you build community, you build community on like values. So if you don't have like values on those things, then you move, you move on and you build community where you, you move at the rate of trust, you move at the rate and where you can trust that your, you know, your, your value is credited, um, loved, accepted, received. You don't waste, you don't cast your pearls amongst slime.
4: And Elijah, there's an interesting person on the other side, on the call inside who has been waiting to chime in. Sorry, Brady, I missed you. Uh, but I think he also raised a point that you might want to consider Brady, do you want to introduce it quickly or a third?
11: Yeah, I'd like to solve the problem, actually. I think I have a solution. We're wrapping it up uh, quickly, though. But so if you don't mind introducing yes, it, we can continue It's a, it's a, it's a, a quick, quick and easy solution. It's, it's a big one, though, um, but it'll be fast. And that is just that. We should hold debates and conversations about everything, including uh, civil rights matters in front of infrared lie detecting cameras, especially our politicians. I I, I propose that C-SPAN cameras um, have an infrared lie detecting camera option uh, as well, where we can literally see who's lying in real time um, using uh, relatively uh, effective if uh, you say cost-efficient cameras, they're only like 200 bucks for an infrared camera.
4: I thought you were it going to talk about a third party in the party U.S., but that's that's an article that I posted I, it.
11: I actually <laughs> dropped a I dropped a link to my uh, platform for a third party in the chat, and uh, a lot of these things are on that platform. Great. And I'm sorry I missed the show, so man. Just... I wish I could have talked to you all today. I needed your help, but I I appreciate the show all the same. I'm gonna listen. I'm gonna go back and listen to it.
2: Okay, and you can talk to us next week. What I said
10: about philosophy is incredibly important. People should not be looking for solutions outside of themselves. Um, Know thyself is basically what uh, was on the sign when Neo met the Oracle. Um, If anyone knows about the people that wrote that story, um, they'll realize where they were influenced from. And so knowing thyself is very important and philosophy is very important and there we're in uh, like a like a new age 2.0 because of um the lack of appreciation of religion um and this new motivation towards spirituality or but whatever Kyle,
1: isn't it's that sort of a somewhat of a happened. privilege though
4: like to you to be able to have the time what is to look privilege? at you know, to be inner looking at yourself inner while your world around you is like undermined it's sort of like that's the second you said 2.0 that's
8: all that black people have had right that's all we've it,
4: had just
10: just this is just yeah but that's part of it like this is something that but i said a long time ago about householders um mm. and people that are um busy uh trying to make ends meet it's very hard to take the time to do this work so you could call it a privilege Um, which it probably is, Um, but at the same time, through the suffering, uh, that's when people learn the most. Um, So um, it's not necessarily a privilege to be suffering, Um, but yet that is- uh, Oh no, what I meant was the internal
4: reflection part. It's that's, that part is somewhat- uh, Anyone
10: can build self-awareness.
8: True. Now, why didn't you say that to me, Heyman? (laughs) what no i wouldn't say that (laughs) because i literally just said the same thing why didn't you say that to me i'm curious which one sorry about reflecting about the internal reflection that's necessary to build community to build community with trust
4: no, I, I think, uh, no, uh, the reason I got a bit more reactive was the fact that, he, uh, sorry, Kyle, please correct me in another yeah, yeah, conversation. Yeah, that
10: internal reflection, I was bringing up philosophy because if people right. have no understanding, and, and you did bring up um, uh, like uh, epistemology, I believe, yeah. or etymology, it was Et- one of the two words that you said there, Elijah, but uh, that's only part of it. So epistemology is the truth, uh, metaphysics is what is real and ontology is being. So um, if people want to try doing this inner process without any of that knowledge, it's going to be very tough.
4: Right. But also, it's also you mentioned the fact that 2.0 and so forth. So it's like next. Because I think when you go internal, you miss out on the external right. part. Like you miss out. Well, on I think a lot, a, lot of, a lot of people don't know it as those terms. Right.
10: Like they're going to be lot, like Sam Harris for one of them. Right. Like they're going to be a lot of these religious hypocrites that are going right. to use uh, the attention based economy to manipulate people. Mm hmm. And, and it doesn't mean that they know the truth. It just means that they'll say fancy, uh, kind, loving words and manipulate people into thinking uh, a bunch of new age bullshit.
3: Okay, I think, think there have always close. been. Yeah, I think there have always been different ways of looking at um, self-analysis and introspection, and we have all a bunch of different people who um, espouse different. Um, frameworks but I think the most important thing is that you do it however you do it (laughs) that you do it and uh, I know Dr. Francine you're trying to close the room thank you for hosting it Um, and I'll be back next week and I hope everyone else will as well and and Dr. Keisha I'm sorry I
2: didn't get a chance to say hello (laughs) this was quite a discussion and I need to go away and think so thank you again everybody I love you and um, I'm closing the room.
4: Take care all. Thanks, Chad, for the conversations in the uh, chat. And uh, we'll be closing call in as well. And uh, please join us next time. Uh,